Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, we'll get right into our lesson. Uh, we're in the book of Joshua, and uh, we will use the first two verses as we continue in our introduction to this book. And you'll see why in a few moments while we're just looking at it as sort of an introduction. It seems to be the way uh, the writer of this book, which we again, is probably Joshua, we think, uh, introduces it here. We see that Moses is uh, really one of the main themes of these first two verses. And this really then does introduce us into this book of Joshua. So... Let's look at verses 1 and 2, and then we'll be dealing with the subject this morning of the death of Moses. That's what we see here in these two verses of the book of Joshua, chapter 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Well, you can see here that uh, why I entitled this first head, and this will be the only head this morning, and we'll pick up the rest, Lord willing, next time. We see something of the death uh, mentioned here of Moses. So we see that our book here opens up immediately with an announcement then of the death of the servant of the Lord, that is Moses. Now it says here again, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass and so forth. So we see here two things. One, that he, he did die. And then secondly, the Lord himself uh, calls him the servant of the Lord. He was a man who was very faithful unto God and what uh, God had given unto him to carry out. So one of the things we see here then is that this servant of God uh, does pass away. And you remember Moses was the man that God had raised up to be the means of delivering the nation of Israel out from under the bondage of Egypt, which they had, which was afflicted upon them. And of course that he did. We can read in Exodus chapter 13 and 14, or 12, 13 and 14, we how that we see that because of the plagues and all of this that God was working out that the children of Israel were allowed to leave uh, the bondage that they had been in for a couple hundred years, 400 years, as some say, there in the land of Egypt. Well, not only was Moses then what we would call the human deliverer, the human instrument in the deliverance of God's people at that time, but also, as we read on in the book of Exodus, he was uh, the lawgiver to Israel. It was through him that God spoke and gave the particular laws and statutes and judgments in a written form unto the people of Israel. In fact, he was so much involved in that aspect of giving the law that not only is later on is, he, is it called the law of Moses as a covenant, but even in the very day of the Old Testament, it was considered the law of Moses. So we see that he had a very strong hand, as we would say, within uh, the nation of Israel and ruling and guiding it at the very beginning there as they were coming out of the land of Egypt. Well, not only that, but he was a very choice servant of the Lord. Again, we notice here in the text, he is called uh, the servant in verse 1 and also in verse 2, Moses, my servant. So we see here that he was a very choice servant of the Lord. And again, it was through Moses that the Lord communicated all that he did unto the nation of Israel. He didn't go through any other man. In fact, there will be a time when we know that a little later, I think it's in the book of Numbers, I believe it is, where Korah 
and his family rebel against the position that God had placed Moses and Aaron in in that day. But, uh, but it was only through Moses, though, that God in particular spoke to the children of Israel. In fact, the Lord himself defends Moses even against his own brother and sister at a time, uh, which is spoken against him. Look in Numbers chapter 12. And verses 1 through 8. And Miriam and Aaron, this, these, this is the brother and sister of Moses. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and spoke, or stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, will, I the Lord will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches, and the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore, then, were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. So we see here, Moses then was the mouthpiece of God during those early years there as they were heading out of the land of Egypt. And that was they were wandering about in the wilderness uh, of sin. And we see here that the Lord does defend Moses even against his own family members who were raising up against him. And in their pride and in their self-importance were picking on, as we would say, uh, to own Moses. Also, Deuteronomy 34, just across the page in my Bible from the Joshua, in chapter 34, verse 10, it says, And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. So we see here then that Moses had this special, as we would say, relationship unto, unto the Lord. It was a man who spoke directly, or God spoke directly unto him, as a friend would be a friend. And so we see that Moses then had a very high place in the rank and file of the people of God and also with the Lord himself. Yet, in all of this, what do we find in the book of Joshua, verses 1 and 2? We find, though, that he was a favored subject of the Lord, a favored servant, yet he what? He dies. Moses is dead. Look again, verse 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. So even though he was all of these things that we've pointed out thus far in this lesson, yet we see that he dies. He goes the way of all men. All the sons of Adam thus far uh, have died. Uh, that, that is when they come, when the death comes. Uh, Hebrews 9 verse 27 says, And it is appointed unto men once to die, and then, or after this, the judgment. So we see that Moses too then had an appointment 
for death. So no matter how high up we may think we are in the Lord's service and doing the Lord's will and feeling that we are the most humblest of God's servants, I assure you there is a day that has been appointed for us for death. We too will die unless the Lord tarries his coming. Now, what's the means of Moses' death? This is an interesting fact. What was the cause of Moses? And you could say, well, you've taught us it's Moses. it was Adam's sin. And you're absolutely right on that. As far as the overall picture of the, is concerned, it was Adam's transgression that killed Moses. No doubt about that. Romans 5 verse 12 tells us that. But what was the means in which this came about? Well, this is an interesting thing. It was the means of Moses' disobedience that caused his death. In other words, it was his rebellion against God. He said, oh, Moses rebelled against God. When you say all these things that you've said against, uh, about him thus far, and you said that Moses now rebelled. Yes, he did. He rebelled against the Lord. Let's look at this because this is a very interesting thing. Go to the book of Numbers again, or you can listen to me read it. It doesn't matter. Numbers chapter 20 is where I'm going. And notice in verse 7, we hear something of this. He says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. And it shall give forth his water. And thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so that thou shalt give the congregation their beasts and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod up from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses... And Aaron gathered the congregation together before the Lord, or before the rock, excuse me. And he said unto them, Here now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. Well, did you notice here? That uh, in the context, we know that Mo, or the children of Israel, once again, this was one of their uh, party lines, they were continually murmuring. And for this particular time, they were murmuring again about a lack of water. Now, they had already received water before. God had given them water miraculously out of the ground, out of a rock. Moses struck the rock and came forth water. There was the miracle there. And they should have known. Well, the Lord's going to take care of us because he's already given us water. Well, they come to another place where there's no water. And instead of believing the promises of God, believing what they've already seen from God's hand through Moses, they come again and they begin to murmur and complain and so God Moses goes to God and says well how do I take care of this and he tells him what to do you go you take my rod or this rod and you're to speak to this rock that it will bring forth water well Moses because he's very angry with the people of God rather he does do part of what God says notice in verse 9 and Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him instead of speaking to the rock though Moses strikes the rock, which he was not to do. Now, God didn't say strike the rock. He just said, you speak to it. Well, Moses added a little bit to what God... There is a, there's a plug, by the way, for the regulative principles. We dare not add to what God has said in his word. Even though we may think it's the wisest thing to do, we better be careful when we come to adding to what God has said in his commandments. Because God nowhere says here, now don't strike the rock, Aaron. Or, excuse me, Moses. He didn't do that. 
But Moses did so, and thus Moses rebelled against God. Look in verse 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. This is the water Meribah, because the children of Israel strove with the Lord, and he was sanctified in them. So here is the cause then of Moses not being able to go into the land of Israel or to the land of Canaan, which they're about ready to do here in the book of Joshua. So Moses has to die first before the children of the children of Israel can go in. And here is the reason of his death. Because he had rebelled, he had disobeyed, he did not believe what God said, he did not sanctify God before the congregation. There's another narrative of it in Numbers 28, in verse 12. Uh, no, it's not. Oops. Well, I thought there was there. Let me go back to Numbers 20. Let me see if there's a reference to it. Okay, we will skip that reference because I can't find it now. Is that it? Thank you. 2714? Yes, that's it. Thank you. Very good. It's good to have your Bibles before you, isn't it? Appreciate that. Uh, Numbers 2714. Let me change that from my memoirs. 2814 and following. Okay. Notice how it's put here. Uh, let's go back to verse 12. He says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Get thee up into this mount. Uh, Abiram, and see the land which I have given unto the children of Israel. And when thou hast seen it, thou also shalt be gathered unto thy people, as Aaron thy brother was gathered. For ye, now notice the terminology, for ye rebelled against my commandments in the desert of Zin, and the strife of the children of the, of the congregation, to sanctify me at the waters before their eyes, that is, the waters of Mirabah and Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. So we see why he doesn't go over. And notice how it's put here in verse 14. God says, you and Aaron, because he puts us in the plural here, ye rebelled. So can a child of God rebel? Well, in the minds of some people, they cannot. But here we see that they do. We see two individuals, at least Aaron and Moses, rebelling here against the Lord. Now, Moses does try to work things out with God, so to speak, so that he can go over. In fact, he asks, he intercedes for himself to go over. Deuteronomy 3 and verse 21. I hope I got the right reference. Uh, yes. And I commanded Joshua at that time, saying, Thine eyes have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto these two kings. So shall the Lord do unto all the kingdoms whither thou passest. Ye shall not fear them, for the Lord your God, he shall fight for you. Oh, I hope I'm in the right place. And I will, and I besought the Lord at that time. Here, yes, okay, excuse me. And I besought the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might? Here Moses is using arguments with God 
for the petition he's about ready to answer. This is what we teach when we pray. We ought to use these kind of arguments with God, you know, as showing God how what a gracious God he is, showing what a God he how powerful he is. He's able to do over the all these things above all that we're able to ask or think. But notice what happens. Verse 25, I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that is beyond Jordan, that goodly mountain in Lebanon. But the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes and would not hear me. And the Lord said unto me, let it suffice thee, speak no more unto me of this matter. So we see this choice servant being refused to go into the land of of Canaan. Now, it's amazing at this point, at this verse here especially, when the Lord tells him no. If you think back a minute, how many times did Moses intercede for sinful Israel? Moses would come to God. He would put arguments in his mouth how that he shouldn't destroy Israel because God was mad at them. He says, I'm going to destroy them. I'll raise you up a seed that will go into the land of Canaan. And Moses says, no, Lord, if you do that, what would the Egyptians think? What would the nations about us think when they realize that you could not fulfill your promise and bring them over? And so God, as it says in the text, repented. He changes his mind, and we all know within all of that context is what he was going to do anyway. But the point of the matter is he does, and Moses succeeds in getting God's ear and hearing him. So it's amazing that God hears him in those instances when he intercedes for the people of God. But when it comes to this matter, he does not, does he? He just tells him, don't speak to me anymore of this matter. You are not going in unto the land. You've crossed the line, so to speak, and you're not going over. Well, there's a mini lesson in that, and I think it's this. Uh, Leaders will be judged more minutely, and leaders are more accountable to God for their actions. So let's don't mess with God, folks. In any sense of the word James, which we'll get to one of these days, Lord willing, in our exposition, he tells us, my brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. So you better let your leaders do their jobs and God will hold them accountable. God will take care of that and all that he does. And he did. He did so with Moses by punishing him with death so that he cannot go over to the land of of Canaan. Amazing, isn't it? A choice servant like that. Well, the death of Moses then, as we come back to our text, ends then an era with the nation of Israel. It's, as we could say, it's not going to be the same anymore without Moses. And it's true. But it's true. There is also another leader who is to go forth. Moses here is not to lead them into the land of Canaan. He's not to lead them any further because if you read in Deuteronomy 34, God, he's up on the mount there and God takes his life. And so Moses' life, his work here is now completed. And in some sense, we have to recognize, I think the people of Israel knew that as well because they certainly saw in Moses a leader. Now, this is the children of Israel the children of the children of Israel who had watched Moses for these 40 years in the land of Canaan or in the land of Zin, in the land of sin, as they were moving about, not ready yet to go into the land of Canaan itself. And they saw something then of his faithful leadership. And notice in the uh, closing words of Deuteronomy, we see here uh, how that they honor him. And this we also see the death. 
And Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo to the top of Pisgah. That is over against Jericho. Now, they're on the east side of the river. And we'll look at some of this next time. They're on the east side of the river Jordan. And they're going to go into the land of Canaan. So God has circumvented them all the way around. Not just taking them directly in. He had 40 years to mess with them. So they, had to call, they went around and they're on that side of the river. And all, it says, And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead unto Dan, and all Nephtali, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah, and all the utmost, to the, unto the utmost sea, and the south, and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of plain tree, palm trees unto Zorah. And the Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over thither. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor. But no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. The God himself buried him. And Moses was a hundred and twenty years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him, and that the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. And there arose not a prophet, we read this a while ago, since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, and all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh, and to all his servants, and to all his land. And in all that mighty hand... And in all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. But of course now his day is done. He's completed his task. And because of his disobedience, he is not allowed to go over. Well, in my closing moments, let's apply this. Let's make some observations to all, or at least to some of the things which we said here this morning. First of all, as Moses died, so shall we. Don't think that we're somehow exempt. I I do believe we'll be exempt if the Lord returns. But most likely, we will all die. The Bible says it is appointed unto man, men, once to die. We will most likely die. Notice that text in Hebrews that I read a while ago says appointed. And it is so because of one man's disobedience that we told you about earlier. And it is because of Adam's transgression. Adam's transgression was imputed unto all men. It is laid to our account. We're sinners before God because of Adam. And not only his, uh, his sin is passed upon us, but also the penalty, which was death. That is physical death as well. That's why we have death in this world, brethren. It's not because of... Uh, cigarettes and over-drinking and overeating, those are the means, but that's not the real cause. The cause is Adam's transgression. God has told Adam, the day that you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. And while Paul tells us in the Romans, the fifth chapter, that wherefore as one man sinned, death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That is, they sinned in Adam. But, though, and the flip side of that, eternal life, though, is found by Jesus Christ. Where Adam disobeyed and where he was a failure, our Lord Jesus was obedient and he was successful for our sakes. And by his obedience, then, which is imputed to all those who believe upon him.
The second thing we can learn from this is that God raised up Moses and now he raises up Joshua. Moses is dead and now Joshua has been raised up in his place, thus showing us here that God will care for his church. He will see to it that they were, are well cared for. Though Moses won't be allowed to take them over into the land of Canaan, yet Joshua will. You see, one died and another one is replaced. And so God is very good to his people, is he not? And so we can thank the Lord that he gives us men who will follow the Lord and seek to be obedient for the sake of God's people. And so we see that. And all of that, of course, is by the Lord. Secondly, or thirdly, excuse me, the promises of God to his people are not dependent upon men. What happened to Moses? Well, we saw that he died, did he not? But that did not stop God from taking the nation of Israel into the land of promise, did it? It did not depend upon Moses. As there's the sin of some folks. They highly exalt their leaders to such a place that, oh, we just can't do without them. Well, the fact of the matter is, yes, we can. God can see to that. God will sometimes show us that he can, we can do without a particular individual or particular people by taking them away from us. And also, though, showing his faithfulness by raising up others. But he didn't need Moses to take them in, did he? God had promised that land to the seed of Abraham and God was going to complete it. And he would do so with or without anyone to raise them up. But, of course, we see that he is graceful and that he or gracious and that he lay, raised up uh, Joshua to do so. See, the land of Israel wasn't promised to Abraham's seed for the sake of Moses. It was done so on God's sake. God's promise. And God will keep his promises. So, and then fourthly, here we can see that the best of Christians sin. I don't care who you are or how high up you think you are in the Lord's favor or how holy you may think you be are and how much you read the scripture and how much wisdom you may have, you sin. You are going to sin and you have sinned. Even as a Christian. We see this in the life of Moses where the Bible itself says, where God himself says, he rebelled against the Lord. Moses sinned. Aaron sinned. Miriam sinned. David sinned. Solomon sinned. Peter sinned. Paul sinned. In fact, all saints sinned. And brethren, whenever we would even do good, the Bible still tells us that sin is present with us. So the idea you're running around here and you've got God all pleased is just a joke. That you're, you're, really even, you're living in a dream world. A sinful dream world on top of that. Christians sin. The best of us sin. As well as the worst of us sin before God. It's just part of the nature that God has left in us. In fact, the Bible says if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we have not sinned, he says in verse 10, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, the good news about this is, is that we do have an advocate when we do sin. Jesus Christ who is the righteous. And that first sandwiched in between those two passages I just read you a while ago, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
And I'm not going to give the disclaimer even now about, well, we sin, but that's not our habit. You're right. And I'm not going to talk about that because we see someone who sinned today. Christian, you might as well settle it in your heart. You sin. Period. And then lastly this morning as we look at this, though Moses failed and he sinned as we brought out, he rebelled. This is the amazing thing. God still viewed him as faithful. Think of that. God viewed Moses himself as a faithful man. In Hebrews 3, we also saw it earlier. I read the text. You may not have caught it, but it said that he was faithful. But in fact, this is a quote that uh, Hebrews is making. Uh, Paul is here in Hebrews of that very fact. And uh, Hebrews 3 verse 2 says, Who was faithful, that is, Christ was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. So yet God, I mean, we have the record here that's eternal, that Moses had sinned and he had rebelled against God, yet God saw him, though, as a faithful man. So, dear brethren, as we live... And as we sin, yet in the end, though, God will count us faithful. He will remember our iniquities no more. Why? Is it because of our own selves? Is it because we are in ourselves so faithful? Hardly, because we do sin. We do still transgress God's law. We still, as Christians, just as Moses, rebel against the commandments. So it's not that reason. The only reason must be is because of Christ. His blood and His righteousness makes us and all that we do acceptable in the sight of God. That's the grace in all of this. Though we sin, and yet in the end, God is going to say, Enter thou into my kingdom, thou faithful one. Isn't it amazing? The grace of God and all of that. Well, that's what we can learn then from the life of Moses. Or I should say, the death of Moses, should we not, in these things. So next week, Lord willing, we'll pick up some more there with Joshua and see how he's called into the service of God.